Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan recap the Twins' four-game series against the Chicago White Sox. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kufis. With me, as always, is Dan Thompson. The Twins squander an opportunity to put some more daylight between themselves and the Chicago White Sox, only managing to take one of four against the White Sox at home at Target Field. The mighty, mighty Twins, Dan Thompson, who have been leading the way all the way up to the All-Star break while they're still in the lead, Cleveland is only two games back. And they have four games in hand, meaning that they could potentially be even if they win those four games. And now the White Sox, Dan, the White Sox, who we had written off. And if you listen to the last episode, I did say I was more worried about the White Sox than the Guardians. Now they're only three games back, Dan. David, I might throw one of the lines back at you you like to use. If I had told you (laughs) that at the beginning of the year, we would look at this Twins team of the Oster break and they would be leading the division, I think we'd be happy. And I'm just going to live in that joy there because yes the twins are leading the division at the all-star break and they have two all-stars they even have an all-star starter now with byron buxton stepping sort in with mike trouskin well sort is that of. an like asterisk this, yes it's an asterisk certainly i it always bothers me when they're like oh he's starting in the all-star game okay well that's fine but like it's not like he's starting in the all-star game because he was meant to start in the all-star game it's because other people fell away Think of the contract incentives he must be earning, though, because of that, right? There must be some escalators in his most complicated baseball contract ever, right? No, there is no way that there's not some weird legal fine print that, like, if he didn't get the natural first selection, that he doesn't get that boost. It's like the NFL with a Pro Bowl. Like, it feels like everybody's a Pro Bowler because half the, half the guys don't want to go because they're banged up or they're playing in the Super didn't, Bowl. Didn't Christian Ponder make a Pro Bowl? Or was it Teddy Bridgewater? Some, one of those guys made a Pro Bowl. I'm sure it was not as deserving as it probably should have been. Um, well, folks, we are definitely procrastinating. We don't want to talk about the series. We know you don't even really want to listen about the series. So we thank you to those of you who have tuned in. <laughs> and we will try and keep it positive because to Dan's point, yes, had you told me at the beginning of the season going into the All-Star break, we would be two games ahead of the Cleveland Guardians leading the division. I would definitely take that deal. All right. Let's go into game one here. Series recap. Bad, yeah. Dan. Not good. 12-2, to two, the White Sox win this one. They're up 2 nothing at the after the first inning. They add four more in the fourth. The Twins, I guess, had a run in there, so it looked a little bit close through the third inning. Uh, but then they just poured it on with two more in the sixth, another in the seventh, three in the ninth, and the Twins add that meaningless run in the ninth inning to make it 12-2. to two. Yeah, very important, very important home run uh, from Kyle Garlick. But anyway, so we have Sonny Gray on the mound, and Dan, he has not, not had a good outing in the month of July. It has been rough for Sonny Gray. He had a good outing the last week of June, but his prior three outings in June were also not great. So his line here is ugly. Three and two-thirds innings pitched, nine hits, six runs, all of them earned, one walk, three strikeouts, and a home run. His ERA for the season is still at 3.71, which obviously seems good, but man, it has been really being boosted these last few starts. 
Yeah, and, and we didn't talk about Nick Gordon's ERA. He came in and pitched the last inning, gave up the three there. His ERA is 13.50, which I feel like the Twins have had relievers on the roster with that high of an ERA in the past. Not a position player you're talking about. Actual bullpen guys uh, out <laughs> right, on the mound. I mean. uh, Joe Smith also came back, didn't look great, gave up two runs. I guess they were unearned, but um, still he has not looked good. I just, you know, Buxton had a triple, and that was kind of fun. Anytime, a, you know, the triple is the most exciting play in baseball. But one for 10 with runners in scoring position with 10 men on base. A lot of that was early enough to matter, too. Yeah, and I do want to point out one of the reasons why I said I was concerned about the White Sox and why I felt that they have a better why they have a why they have the potential to be better than the Guardians and even better than the Twins is that their starting rotation Dan is just significantly better than what the Twins have to offer and they definitely showed it this time around yeah Cueto went six seven hits one run two walks five strikeouts and it felt like every game the White Sox were getting a great start this this game and maybe some of the others yes the Twins had a lot of missed opportunities but at the same time like I didn't see them stopping the White Sox from scoring runs like they could have no. lost this one 12 to 9 and i just they weren't going to win this series the way that they played no it was definitely a team effort in the losses though dan it's fun not to have to hang your hat on oh yeah it was the pitching or no it was the hitting that let us down it was everybody dan it was a terrible terrible outing well let's look at game two the white Sox win this one as well six to two they score right away the twins do answer with finally getting a hit with the bases loaded against the white Sox. they had done this a lot i think it was seven straight games where they had loaded the bases against the white Sox in the first inning and had I think maybe only scored once or twice in that streak it wasn't much so Kirilov does get that big hit there's a little bit of hope but then the bats go cold and and the White Sox add a few more later yeah I mean on the series Dan the Twins went four for 25 with runners in scoring position and game two was the best effort basically they went two for eight with runners in scoring position in this game and there was a moment in this here when Carlos Correa came up with a couple guys on base if you recall and you know what he did David what he do Dan he did what Sano has done so often he grounded into a double play further Furthering, furthering the argument that I would make that Miguel Sano, who hit, it felt like five or six home runs for the St. Louis, St. Paul Saints this this series, furthering my, my stance that Miguel Sano will find a spot on this roster soon. Maybe, maybe after the All-Star break, he gets called up and Joe Smith gets sent back to the IL where he clearly belongs after his outing today. But anyway, let's, uh, any other thoughts on game two? No, game three, the one bright spot here. Yeah, so this was the best outing by a twin starter in the series, and that should tell you something because Dylan Bundy goes five and a third five hits three runs all of them earned with one walk and three strikeouts that was the best outing by a twin starter pretty brutal um mcgill did come in and he was maybe the one bright spot out of the bullpen he pitched, he gets a couple guys out um griffin jacks comes in he pitches all right it, it felt like the bullpen really got itself into a little bit of trouble in this game but was able to work itself out and that was really to me the difference in this game because six runs isn't really that much when you're playing against a team that scored as many as the white Sox did this series yeah so i mean the twins like you said they do come away with this one six to three but it just it's hard for us to talk about because not a lot of interesting things happened and like obviously arises home run in the first inning was really probably the highlight of the whole series and then Correa hits a home run in the third and then a couple batters later Polanco does it was kind of the one inning that the twins really were able to do much of anything also we should mention Jim Cott had his number 36 retired so no more Joe Nathan number no more who else was it they were mentioned Terry Steinbach pretty cool to see a ceremony like that and add another number to that list over there in left field yeah Joe Nathan was in the booth today actually and he was fine but I don't see him uh, making his way into a permanent role in the booth is what I'll say leave that to Glenn Perkins Glenn Perkins I think has done a really good job he really has. He really has. And again, like I always say, he was a pony. S-T-I-L-H-2-O. Stillwater, baby. My hometown. And you know, when Jim Cott joins the booth, you always think it's going to be a little bit interesting, right? Jim Cott <laughs> comes from a different generation. He said different some things era. that were... 
<laughs> that maybe drew some ire, but uh, but no, I, I love hearing Jim Codd in the booth, and I hope that he continues to do that a little bit more. Yeah, so I guess one thing I do want to note, though, on Game 3 also, Duran actually finished out the game pitching both the 8th and the ninth inning, which I thought was great. He got up to 40 pitches, though, which is the most he's pitched in quite a while. But he did look so effective in the 8th inning. Rocco's like, sure, why don't you go ahead and take the ninth as well? It's just surprising that they let him get up that high, especially with how careful they've been. And I figured at the time, the reasoning was, well, they're not going to use him in Game 4 anyway, so they might as well try to use him again in, in that. But I did think that was interesting, too, very bold. It seems that Rocco knew that the Game 4 wasn't going to be very close. Yeah, that's not a that's not a great perspective on <laughs> what the just... manager's outlook is in the series. He saw the, either... Well, he saw the pitching matchup, right, between Cease and Archer, and he thought, oh, this ain't going to happen, guys. Let's just uh... leave you out there for one more, Duran. Let's w- make sure we win this one. That was some great foreshadowing as we move to Game 4 here. Okay, so I thought going into this episode, Dan, I wouldn't want to talk about Game 1. And truly, really, what it comes down to, I don't want to talk about Game 4 here. Dan, the Twins lose this one 11-0. to The White Sox had 16 hits. The Twins had one. I mean, if you want to talk about a game that you don't want to watch ever again, this is pretty high on that list. And I was thinking, by the seventh inning, I really was thinking, can they just call this game? Can we just be done and go to the All-Star break? Oh my gosh. Archer actually looked quite good for the first couple innings, and then it just fell apart in the fifth inning. He couldn't get through that. The White Sox score four then. They score six more in the seventh. But it already felt out of reach at that point. Well, and to be fair, Archer didn't get any help because the air by Gordon and left really prolonged that inning and it shouldn't have. Like, granted, it wouldn't have been an out, but it at least would have kept the runners in, in a less optimal position. Yeah, and uh, and Dylan Cease really dealt. He had seven innings of one hit, two walk ball, eight strikeouts. The Twins have hit him in the past, but this is the first time they've seen him this season, and he's clearly at a different level this season than he's been in the past. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you, the more we see this White Sox team, the more concerned I get that they're really the class of the division that we need to watch out for. All right, well, let's uh, let's go forward to our segments. Touch them all, Kirby Puckett! Puckett's Picks winner. Not even a silver lining to be had in the Puckett's Picks winner, Dan. Truly, though, I haven't checked the math. I will check it afterwards just to make sure, but I'm convinced there might be some funny business happening here. Well, we have so, a long all-star break for you to double-check my math on this one, so we can offer a correction if we have to next episode. <laughs> So Dan took a rise and he comes away with the victory, scoring seven points. I had Correa, who I always take if he's available, and he had six points for me. The listeners took Kirilov and he only had two points. Now, to be fair, though, he he was the only guy to get a hit in game four. So maybe he should get some bonus points for that. Just so many strikeouts for Kirilov. He just was not looking himself uh, there in that aspect. But I will take the victory, David. What are the standings? Yeah, so right now I'm still in the lead with 13 wins on the season. Dan has 10, so he's gaining on me. And the listeners, Dan, they are stuck at six it's not so good to be a listener right now it's not i hopefully they'll get a win one of these times at least as as long as it doesn't come at my expense and it comes at your expense though that's not really possible i guess right (laughs) by definition it comes at both of our expense i mean a win's a win yeah in that in that way but i could see like i'd always rather have the listeners win than you win so i understand what you're saying (laughs) all right well let's uh let's try to find a beast here in the next segment beast versus bench is losing fun is losing fun the thing is, it's just the team couldn't put it all together. And some guys actually had decent series. I'm actually going to give the beast to Buxton. He had a good series. He went two for four in game one. Then he went two for three in game two. Game three, he went one for four with three strikeouts. But again, apparently that's the one game they didn't really need him. And then game four, just like everybody else, he got shut out with two strikeouts. But still, as far as the pickings that I had, Buxton seems okay. And he has played, I believe he started 12 games in a row now. There was a calculation I saw that at the pace that he's at, he would actually play 126 
six now, I believe, on the season. He's just like, for all the detractors who were saying, oh, you can't have those rest days for Buxton, clearly worked out just fine. And he's playing, I mean, he's playing at an all-star level. Who do you have as your beast? I went with Polanco because as I'm watching these games, he just had kind of the best at bats. It felt like throughout the series, he had some hits, obviously. He had the big home run in game three. He just looked like the most mature, consistent hitter against those strong starting pitchers that you mentioned. Yeah, I think that's a good choice. Again, it's it's hard to choose when, when the series goes so poorly, but there were some guys who had good series, and I, I would put Polanco among that number. Like case in point, in the in this really bad game four, he did work two walks. So he was one of the guys who was actually getting on base. And then for bench, David, I went with Sonny Gray. I think I've done this before, but gosh, they need him to be an ace. He wasn't. That was a game that they maybe could have won. Cueto was good on the other side, but gosh, they need more out of Sonny Gray, especially at the start of a long series when you're going to need your bullpen. Yeah, and he definitely did not provide that. In the same vein, I got to give it to Smelter. And here's the thing. I often make fun of you for picking a pitcher for these moments. Every time. But I, every time I do, you make fun of I, me for it. I know, but I am coming around, I think, when it comes to the starters specifically. And unless a reliever is like historically like bad, in this moment, putting a starter as your beast or your bench, I can understand. And Smelter has been bad for a while. And this was no exception. And thankfully, the Twins finally decided to send him back down when they when they made room for Archer to start the game uh, today. Part of that being they can go to a four-man rotation right now. Um, but we're going to talk more about the starting staff uh, later. I think uh, I want to piggyback on that in the next segment. All right, well, let's keep going here. Rocco's Rewind, Dan. Rocco's Rewind. So if you recall the last time Smeltzer started, it was against Texas, and it was a game where Smeltzer was clearly didn't seem to have it. The Twins had just gotten back into the game. They'd actually taken the lead, and then they left Smeltzer out there, and he gave the lead right back. And I thought, to Rocco's credit here, it was a good early hook on Smeltzer. And it took some guts because they'd already burned a lot of arms in game one. But Smeltzer, again, had not looked very good. 67 pitches already through just the three innings. So I liked that. And then the bullpen, Pagan, I realize, gives up a run. But then Duffy's okay. Thielbar's okay. Jax wasn't great. But I think it was in that window after that where the Twins could have made a comeback. And had they left Smeltzer in, I worry it would have gotten out of hand even earlier. 100% agree. I think the early hook was good. And especially, I agree that you're saying that it was it was pretty gutsy to make that move. Yes, because they needed him to eat up some innings. And we even saw we even saw Tony La Russa do that in, in a little bit in Game 3, where he left Lance Lynn out there after he'd given up the six runs, when he clearly didn't have it either. So uh, it worked out in, in a sense. Obviously, the Twins didn't win that game, but I think it could have been a lot uglier. What about you, sir? So I'm just going to express my sympathy for Rob for having to use over five pitchers on average per game and your starters averaged four innings there's only so much you can do as a manager when that's the output you're getting from your starting rotation you're just choosing whoever you can whose arm hasn't fallen off to fill in those innings and anytime that nick gordon i know he's your guy you want to show off his versatility on the mound absolutely you love yourself plays nick all gordon. nine <laughs> but as far as as far as that's concerned i just feel bad for rocco because i have all sorts of problems hanging any of these losses of upon Rocco's shoulders because I don't think he's deserving of it. Yeah, I mean, take, for example, Joe Smith. He gave up eight runs by himself in this series. Like, that's that's enough there. He could have been a bench. If, if a reliever could have earned it, Joe Smith also could have, if they were at all more meaningful. Um, poor Rocco walking out there so many times, too. Was it was it hot in Minneapolis this weekend as well? It, w- it was very hot, but he got his steps in, Dan, so that's good. <laughs> He should maybe a little sun umbrella that he can carry out with him, you know, just to make sure his, his head doesn't get burned. Well, he does wear a hat, Dan. I don't know if you've seen <laughs> Rocco. Like, they, most baseball players do wear hats. All right. Well, <laughs> good point. Anyway, um, should we uh, let's move forward. 
Minnesota moment. So I, I'm going to piggyback off your your Joe Smith comment there. My Minnesota moment has to be Joe Smith's six-run seventh inning in game four. And clearly, Dan, Joe Smith should have stayed on the I.L. a little bit longer. So this was bad, but I think it summarizes the feelings I have for the series quite well. The Twins were terrible this series. Joe Smith gave up six runs in one inning as a reliever. As a reliever. Oh, my goodness, Dan. But honestly, were you even still watching at that point? I mean, this is definitely a small TV or even it, like yes. a phone no, was, moment, right? Like <laughs> It was a small TV moment. That is certain, Dan. Um, I will I will pick a positive moment, and it was Luis Arise's leadoff home run in Game 3. Yep. It did end up winning me Puckett's picks functionally, but it did set the tone for the best game of the series for the Twins. Luis Arise was pumped. It was a big day. You know, it's, it's one of those times when you have a big ceremony before a game. We've been to these games together where the ceremonies happen. And first of all, you, you want the game to start. Like, there comes a point when the ceremony's like, all right, I kind of forgot about it. Like... It's 11.10, aren't we supposed to be, or is it? It's 1.10, not, we're supposed to be playing by now. Do they not have the, the closing music when your speech goes on too long? <laughs> like, come on now. But it was a great day, so if, if we can just remember Game 3, I'm going to remember Luis Arise's leadoff home run. I think that's a good moment, and it is funny that that was the best game that the Twins had, and I would argue it wasn't even that good a game. Maybe they should have more ceremonies. What else could they celebrate before games to really pump the Twins up? Like Jorge Polanco's inevitable number 11 retiring ceremony. Can we just do that like every Sunday just to be ready? Uh, Dan is convinced that Jorge <laughs> is meant for the Twins Ring of Honor, Hall of Fame, whatever they he call it He had two nowadays. great walks in game four, David. Anyway, let's uh, let's go to Mauer's Musings. I just don't know how it can get any better. Mauer's Musings. Okay, so mine is most uh, prominent, I think, in this moment because of Archer's start today. And Archer... Archer got to start over Winder, who got sent back down to AAA. Would you rather, Dan Thompson, currently have Josh Winder or Chris Archer on this rotation? I think I'd probably rather have Winder in the end, because I think the odds of him actually giving you a six or seven inning start are so much better. And I love what yeah. Archer has been able to do for two or three innings. But like there comes a point where doesn't he just kind of have to, I don't know. We've talked about the piggybacking. We used, we've been using that phrase a lot, by the way. Yeah. We've talked about how they would piggyback maybe on each other and the twins just don't seem to do that. But I guess I want Winder for the future. That's what I want. Yeah, I think so. I think that's the better call. And the thing is, if you make me choose one pitcher for one inning and those are my two guys, I might lean Chris Archer. But that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about a starting rotation spot. That's a really good point because again, Archer can give you the innings that a veteran pitcher can give you. He can get himself out of jams in a way that we haven't necessarily seen Winder do yet. So there is that. There's certainly that in Chris Archer's corner. What do you have for uh, your musing? So the Twins have a lot of days off coming up. So they have the All-Star break that actually extends an extra day. I think it's because of a concert in Detroit. And so oh. that's, that's why they can only do the Saturday-Sunday series. A weird, I don't remember the last time the Twins have had a, a non-rained out Saturday-Sunday series. So they have that in Detroit. They have a day off. Another two-game series against the Brewers on Tuesday-Wednesday. Another day off. And then they play three against the Padres. So that's a lot of days off in there. And I just wonder, do you think that that's good for this Twins team to have that extra time now? Yeah, I think 100% it's good. I think it'll let Gray get healthy. It'll let Buxton rest a little bit as long as he doesn't overextend himself during the All-Star game. And I, I just think that this team needs a little bit of space, a little bit of rest, contemplate what it means to come back and understand, yes, you've had a little bit of a rough go here, but you still are leading the division to start the second half of the season. Yeah, and then it gives the Guardians a chance to hopefully lose some of those games in hand. The games in yeah. hand just kind of worry me. So I, I would love for some of those just to get done, even just so we know, like, what are we looking at here? If we look at the Guardian schedule coming out of the All-Star break, 
break, they have to play the White Sox in a four-game series, which is quite helpful for our for our cause, sure, right? Sure. And then they play the Red Sox, who have certainly not shown themselves to be slouches this season. And then they play the Rays. So it's one of those things where Cleveland and the White Sox having to play each other is great for us. And then the Red Sox and Tampa Bay, it's a rough stretch for the Guardians. It is. And again, the Twins have a lot of games against those guys still. So hopefully they can make cash in on that later once they're perhaps a little bit more put together. With that, Dan, let's go on to our grading, which I'm sure will be fun. Series grades. I'll go first because it's an F because of a failed opportunity to really put some distance against them and the White Sox. Yeah, it's an F certainly, but just for just for so many reasons, Dan, not just the failed opportunity. I'd say failed execution. This was an ugly, ugly series for your Minnesota Twins baseball team. Once again, we saw the bullpen really struggle overall. We saw the starters struggle overall. We saw them again struggle to get hits in key situations. Like it feels like it's a lot of the same problems that have ailed this team. They're gonna have to fix to win this division. I don't think they're going to win this division kind of limping into the playoffs the way that they are right now. No, and here's to hoping the front office makes some moves in time for that to still matter. Gosh, let's go to Herbie's headline. I don't know, Jack. It looked like Herbeck pulled him off the bag. Herbie's headlines. I'll let you talk about this, Dan, because I think that you'd probably say that the Mariners are your second team. Yeah, I think so. As much as anything. At least right just, now. Yeah. <laughs> At they least might, right now, yeah, you'd say. Maybe them and the, and the Orioles. Um, <laughs> no, I will. The, the Mariners did. They did win today. So they pushed their winning streak to 14 games. Obviously, Julio Rodriguez is, is so exciting. But but in kind of the highlights and snippets that I watch and I see from this team, they're really exciting. Seattle, we've said this before, is a baseball starved city. They love their baseball. They have loved it. They have loved it for years and they've been so bad. And I will I will point people to this. If, if people subscribe to The Athletic, Jason Stark, who uses way too many exclamation points in his articles for me, but he had a very interesting look at these dueling streaks between the Orioles and the Mariners and how bad those franchises have been and how good they've been at the very same time. It's worth a read if you if you get a chance. Well, with that, Dan, let's go on to our Puckets picks for the upcoming Tigers series, which happens in, I don't even know how many days, Dan. And we'll see you Puckets Picks. The listeners, as always, get first pick, and they're going to take Buxton off the board, which I think makes some sense, right? Even though he's playing in the All-Star game, he's going to get a little bit of time to rest, certainly, and I bet he comes back better than ever, Dan, is my prediction. It's really hard to argue with that pick. I wish he was still going to be there. You get to go next, though. David, this is an unfamiliar place for you. You've been winning so much lately. It's weird, but I, yeah, I'm going to take Carlos Correa. Because You're going to stick, stick with to your my rule. System. Yes, I'm sticking with my rule, even though right now, as of right now, according to Dan's calculations, he won this last Puckets picks, even though I had Correa. I'm still sticking with my boy. I think he's going to continue sort of the, the the good streak that he's been on since sort of struggling a little bit out of the gate at the beginning of the season. All right. Well, then I'm actually going to go. I have to pick Polanco after I've talked him up as much this yeah. episode. So I'm going to go with Polanco um, and uh, and hope for the best. Hopefully this future Hall of Famer uh, can get it done and get me one win closer to you in Puckett's picks. He was truly the only one who made me second guess my Correa pick. Well, that's a good sign. I like whenever you're second guessing things, David, I think that's a good sign. Well, David, we're not going to speak again now for about a week and the twins don't even play for five days what are you going to do with all that time you know i don't know dan i might travel you know see the sights (laughs) Hit up the seven wonders of the world. We'll see what happens. I think that's what a lot of the Twins players are doing. And and in all seriousness, hopefully they get a good break. They're able to kind of rest and recuperate, reset their brains so that they can come back and win this division. Yeah. So a couple of notes here, folks, about the scheduling for the podcast. The month of August is a very heavy travel month for both Dan and I. So you will be hearing a little bit more from Andrew Hoganson. And uh, and hopefully you enjoy that time. I know that Hogs loves to fill in and we love to have him. It's great to have somebody with the ability, the baseball knowledge and the, uh, the willingness to take 
shots at us and, and to receive shots in return. It's always great to have him on the show. And it's going to be great when he and I get to talk about our love of musical theater. I think oh, that's going to be, we're going to do a oh. whole episode uh, just about musical theater with all the references, David. You're not going to catch any of them. You're going to be, you're not even going to know that we're talking about musical theater. Folks, you have no idea how long the text thread was between the three of us after this last episode. There's just a whole bunch of musical references, both talking about how the first time they heard such and such a song, it changed their life and they've reached this this new plateau of brilliance and just understanding of all things within the universe i like i tried to unsubscribe from our text thread several times it's like the mlb and all-star voting they just wouldn't leave me alone you can't unsubscribe from this david um well speaking of subscriptions we would love more people to subscribe to the podcast so i think i'm going to send us out and i'll remind people david please do folks if you like what you hear please tell a friend you can follow us on twitter you can find our men for the win facebook page you can find us on youtube so please do subscribe to those places um, so you're notified when new episodes are available. If you could leave us a rating, that would be great. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Twins. That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, go Twins. Go Twins.